me this morning to uh, Luke chapter 17. I want to go to Luke, I want to go to Matthew 14 and just read a verse there, but if you could go to Luke chapter 17, that would be good. And we'll come back to it in a moment or two. Luke chapter 14, I'm going to read a verse from here. Oh, sorry, Matthew 14, I'm going to read from first, and you're at Luke 17. Verse 19 of Matthew 14. And this is during the feeding of the 5,000. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. He took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. One of the things that seems to be sadly lacking in society today is gratefulness. Uh, I read during the week about a businessman in England and at Christmas time past, he gave all 175 of his employees a Christmas turkey. And out of that 175, only four gave thanks. Two by text and two that he happened to bump into. And he was so disgusted with the ungratefulness of such a bunch of ingrates that he vowed he would never, ever do that again. <laughs> then I also read this week a young couple, a young married couple in England who are receiving £17,000 a year in benefits and they haven't worked a day in their entire lives. And here was their answer when they were challenged. They says, why should we work for minimum wage when our parents paid taxes for all those years? <laughs> Could you imagine that? Not even seeing the irony <laughs> that it was their parents and many like them that was working to keep them from not working. Such is the ungratefulness in society today. Now God gave a commandment through Moses in Deuteronomy 8 verse 10. Let me read it to you. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Now, in order for Jewish people uh, to develop a, a grateful heart, an attitude of gratitude, uh, they were in the habit of saying little short one-line prayers which were really Prayers of blessings or thanksgiving. A little prayer was called a bracha. And a bracha was simply a blessing. Now whenever we think of the term blessing someone, inevitably you would think about doing something for someone. Uh, helping somebody in some way. Perhaps giving somebody a gift. And say, well, we, we want to bless them that way. But actually, bracha... Uh, it just simply means uh, praise, giving thanks, acknowledging, just being simply grateful for and acknowledging that gratefulness. And, and so they would say little short prayers. And this carried on to Jesus' day. In fact, even beyond that, even till today, they would say a little short prayer like, like blessed is he. Example, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it was just a way of acknowledging 
and being grateful and thankful for what God has sent. And later on, the rabbis, they added to that, and they would say, Blessed are you, O Lord God, King of the universe, who is good and gives good things. And so that would be a, a Jewish prayer of thanksgiving, abraka, just a simple kind of a one-line little uh, grateful prayer. And so from morning until evening, Jewish people, uh, from when they got up to when they went to bed, all during the day, they would think of little one-line prayers to give thanks to God. And so they may say something like, Blessed is he who woke me up this morning. Or blessed is he who gave me the strength to do my work today. Or blessed is he who put food on the table. Or blessed is he who closed my eyes and sleep. Just simple little one-line prayers of thanksgiving unto God. Notice here in Matthew 14, 19, the verse that I read. It says, Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed. That doesn't necessarily say he blessed the bread. We, we tend to do that when we say grace, don't we? But it says he looked up to heaven and he blessed. What was he blessing? The bread? Or blessing God who gave the bread? He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. The disciples gave to the multitude. Now, it's not recorded exactly what Jesus prayed at that moment. But we can almost be certain that it was one of these little one-line prayers that any Jewish father would pray over a table giving thanks for God for the food. And so perhaps he says something like, Blessed is he who brings forth bread from the earth. And everybody would understand that's a bracha, that's a, a, just a, a little simple prayer of thanksgiving and gratefulness unto God who is the supplier of all of our needs. And, uh, and so that would be like something he would pray. So this morning I want to talk about do we have a grateful heart? Do we have a grateful heart? And let us just read now those few verses that I want to turn to in Luke chapter 17. And this is, of course, the story of the ten lepers. In verse 11, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, but he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Of course, leprosy was a dreadful, dreaded disease, and still is to this day, although much more has been able to be done about it. But lepers were, and even are today, to a large degree, colonized. 
they have to live separately from the rest of society. Uh, and particularly in Bible days, according to the law, they were to wear a cloth or a veil over their nose and, and over their mouth. Isn't it interesting that science today uh, says that uh, it can be spread, leprosy can be spread by nasal droplets. And of course, in those days, they didn't have any science, but, but God knows. And so they had to wear this uh, veil over their face. They also had to stay their distance. Uh, and that was usually about 100 paces. You notice there that they were afar off from Jesus, and they spoke with a loud voice. And so being that distance, they would have to shout. And, and everybody understood why that was and why that had to be. And it was very obvious the reason for that. In the Old Testament, during all those thousands of years, there was only ever three people recorded that had been healed of leprosy or cleansed of leprosy, and that was Miriam and Moses and, of course, Naaman, the great Syrian general. And here is Jesus in Luke 17, and he's cleansing ten at one time. And he's doing it in a simple fashion. Now, some of the strains of leprosy uh, I suppose the best way to describe it, they would go into remission. And there'd be times it would fire up and there's times it would calm down. And in those times of, of remission, then they would have to go to the priest and the priest would have to be the one to check them out from top to toe to make sure that they were no longer contagious. And then the priest decided if they could get back into society again. And so Jesus simply tell them, go show yourselves to the priest. I wonder what they thought of that command because there they are standing knowing full well that they weren't in any kind of remission and that the leprosy was in full bloom but anyway they took Jesus at his word and they went and as they went it says then they were cleansed as they went uh, I don't know how many paces they walked or how far they went uh, I don't know whether that was just gradual as every step they took another part of their flesh was healed uh, but at some point they must have recognized that they were cleansed. But only one of them, a Samaritan, only one of them had the grateful heart, was thankful enough to stop in his tracks and come back and acknowledge and give glory to God that he had been cleansed. I think it's fascinating when you read that story in Luke 17, how that they began standing afar off, but then when you read how when he came and he was cleansed, it says he fell down at Jesus' feet. He wasn't a hundred paces now, sure he wasn't. He still spoke with a loud voice because now he's glorifying God. And, and simply he probably, only this time he'd be shouting because he'd been shouting for so long and now he's excited. And you tend to get, raise your voice a bit more when you get excited. Don't you, Clifford? Uh, yes, you do. And uh, so he, he, he maybe just simply said something, blessed is he who has cleansed me of my leprosy. Or maybe blessed is he who has brought healing to our people. Blessed is he who has brought health and strength to our community. And so he was praying a prayer of thanksgiving. We're not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? We're not there found any who returned to give glory to God. See, there's that thanksgiving, except this foreigner. Every time we give thanks, we're giving glory to God because He is the ultimate supplier of everything.
And so it's good to have a, a heart that wants to be thankful. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights. That's what Paul said. And so, however we're blessed, whatever channel God uses, He is the ultimate provider, is He not? Even the very bread that we eat today, if it wasn't for the sun and the rain and the soil that God has provided for us, we wouldn't be eating any bread. And so, Paul had a grateful heart, Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, he says, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so it seemed to be that Paul always found a reason to thank God always thought of thanking God and everything give thanks he said for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you so what does gratitude do for us well first of all it helps us to remember to honor God I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. We used to sing that old song on here, which is taken, of course, from Psalm 100, verse 4. And so if we come with a feeling of gratitude, even into the house of God, the fact that we can even get to the house of God, the fact that we are privileged to be in the house of God, the fact that there's not people standing outside with rocks ready to throw us, throw them at us as we step out this door as perhaps would happen in India and different places of the world today. There's Christians meeting today in places where they know as soon as they go outside there's people waiting to attack them or to curse them or to blaspheme them. So we can come and we're free to come, thank God. At least so far we're free to come to church. That time may change even in our country. Pray that it won't, but the way things are going you never know what might happen. And then the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So many benefits and blessings that the Lord gives us, isn't there? We may not remember them all, but we should remember some of them, shouldn't we? Sometimes I know that almost spontaneously you're sitting or you're driving along the road or you're in your work or you're whatever, and just all of a sudden something comes to your mind. And you say, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for that blessing. And, and it's so easy, you wonder why I never thought of that before. <laughs> you know, maybe you've always had that, and, and then suddenly, just in that moment, there's a sense of gratefulness. If it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't have that, or I wouldn't be the way I am, or whatever the case may be. And it's just a, it's just a little one-line prayer that you throw up to God and say, thank you, Lord, for that. Praise you for what you've done. I bless you, Lord, for your goodness in my life. And when you look back over your whole life as a believer especially, there's so many reasons to give God thanks, isn't there? I mean, if you, if you began to write a list of all the things you could thank God for, it'd be a pretty long list. You know, when you really get to think about it, it'll be a long list indeed. Paul says in Philippians 4 and 6, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. How many times do you or I go to pray and it's just simply a list, a list 
a wish list. And we're just asking God for this, 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 and this, and this. And we never stop to think of all the things he's already given. And we never stop to thank him first before we ask him for one more single thing. There's so much that we need to be thankful for. Even with each other, there's so much to be thankful for, isn't there? You know, people can be very, very thoughtless and ungrateful. Now, I, I took a funeral yesterday, and I have to say that people were very appreciative. Family and, and, and extended family were very appreciative. And, uh, and that was lovely. But I have also taken funerals. And I can think of one in particular a few years ago. And the person didn't even come to this church. And, and I, I did the whole thing. And it's a lot of work, let me tell you. And not only was there no thanks, there was nothing. And I mean nothing. Not, not even a thank you from any of the family or extended family. I couldn't believe it. And I thought, oh, they've probably just forgotten. They'll maybe write a wee note in a few days. No, <laughs> never, never once, never, not one word. And you think, it's just thankless, ungrateful. But sometimes that's what people are like. Maybe sometimes that's what we're like. Maybe we forget sometimes just to simply say thanks. Do you know that thinking and thanking comes from the same root word? Thinking and thanking come from the same root. And sometimes we have to think to thank. Are you with me? Sometimes you have to actively sit down and think to thank. And say, now, what has happened here? How did this come about? And then as you begin to think about it, then you begin to be more thankful for it. I wonder if only 10% of God's people are actually thankful. There's only one 10 lepers come back. I wonder if, if I myself, I wonder if I'm only thankful 10% of the time. I wonder is that a good percentage? Do you ever think about that? I wonder if I, I wonder if you are only thankful 10% of the time for 10% of all of the blessing God has given us. And so, what does gratitude do for us? It helps us to remember to honor God, to be thankful to Him for His blessings in our life. Secondly, it teaches us to be thankful for what we have got rather than gripe about what we haven't got. We're good at griping about what we haven't got, aren't we? Well, you're looking very religious this morning. You're a holy bunch, so you are. Now, you know what I'm saying is true. It's easy for us to sit and think, I wish I had this, I wish I had that, I wish I could go there, I wish I could do that. And the wish list gets longer and longer and longer. Well, they'd ever stop to think, well, this is what I have got. This is what I am blessed with. I maybe don't have the talent to play that keyboard, but I can do this. Because sometimes you look at people and you really wish, I wish I could do what they're doing. I wish I had their gift. I wish I had their talent. And then we downplay and downsize the gifts and talents that God has already given us, which is just as important. And so we need to be thankful for 
what we have got. The prophet Habakkuk said in chapter 3 of his little book, Although the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. <laughs> There's a lot that's gone there, isn't it? There's not much left after that, is there? Yet, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. If the Lord, having saved us, if he never did another single thing in our lives, there's enough there to praise him for all eternity. Just the fact that our sins are forgiven and he's made us fit for heaven. But being human, we take much of his blessing for granted, don't we? We take each other for granted. Never mind God. And so it helps us to remember to honor God. It teaches us to be thankful for what we've got rather than gripe about what we haven't got. Sometimes you're speaking to people and they're moaning and they're groaning about this, that and the other and you feel like shaking them, don't you? And saying, for goodness sake, catch yourself up and look at what you have got. Look at what God has already done for you. And, and you feel like just giving them a good old rattle, shake, or a slap even, if that's what it takes. Doesn't sound very pastoral, does it? And, uh, <laughs> and you bite your tongue and say nothing sometimes. But if you just stop and just think, look what God has done in my life. I should be grateful for everything he's done. And it really helps your whole attitude and your whole mindset. And, you know, and it, it's, it's such a blessing when you start to, just to thank God. Those one-line little prayers. doesn't have to be a whole, just a one-line prayer, just a little thanks unto the Lord, isn't it? Hmm. And it gives you a truer perspective of life. A, a truer perspective of life. Listen. I have at least 20 Bibles in my library, never mind what I can get electronically, because then you can go into 100 if you want it. But at least that I can sit and look out at my bookshelf, at least 20 different Bibles, different translations, and, and, and all the rest of it. They're all there. And, the <laughs> and there's some preachers in the world and they don't have one Bible. They don't even have a Bible. They may have a couple of pages. Whenever the men last Monday night, and we had, a, we had a great night last Monday night, we were at the Revival Movement Association down there in, in Dramara uh, at their factory where they print millions and millions and millions of gospel pieces of gospel literature. It goes out by the container load tons and tons every day. They showed us big rolls of paper that seven miles long if you rolled it out. That's a lot of paper, isn't it? And they threw about five of those a day, I think it is. A day. So there's a lot of work goes on. And Samuel Adams, the, the, the man who directs it, he told us afterwards, he said that, uh, and I forget where the place was, he said, because he was mentioned so many things, but he said that there's a place and he's been, and he says, if you go there, he says, all they've got is the Gospel of John that we have given them. That's all they've got, little Gospel of John. 
So, so I saw no Bible, it's just the Gospel of John. So he says, when I go there, they tell me, don't preach from the Gospel of John. He says, because every preacher here preaches from the Gospel of John because they've got no other thing to preach from. Can you imagine that? And here we are, laden and loaded with Bibles. There's a, a Canadian pastor who comes here just about every other year. Maybe this might be his year of coming, I forget, but he's the guy with a big voice. Did you hear him? He's got some projection, so he has. And he's a godly man, and, and he goes to Russia. He's retired now from the pastor. He goes to Russia, and he gives Bibles. Gives Bibles. And he has seen people literally crying, crying when they got the first Bible in their whole life. And they held it and cried because they got a Bible did any of us ever cry in our lives over a Bible? I don't think so. We just take it for granted. You just go and buy one or go on the internet and read it. And they're crying because somebody has given them a Bible they've never had in their lives. They're so hungry for the Word of God. Some of you have gone last year to China and uh, you distributed Bibles. Now, you didn't see the end product because you were taking them to couriers who would house them and distribute them in the underground church. But if you were in one of those meetings where those maybe pastors went out into the hinterland in China and gave that little group some Bibles, I, there would be tears. Absolutely, there would be tears of joy that somebody somewhere in the world has thought about them and has given them the Word of God. And here we have got 20 Bibles, at least makes a difference, doesn't it? need to be grateful for what God has given us and appreciate it. Maybe some of us in here, I don't know, maybe some of us never lift the Bible from one end of the week to the next. Maybe some of us never even bring it to church with us. But if you've never had one, you're living in a country where they're banned you would be desperate to get your hands on the Word of God to feed your eternal soul. But we take it for granted. I think it was Waldo Emerson said that if the constellations were only to appear once in a thousand years, <laughs> boy, everybody would notice it, wouldn't it? Everybody would be agog. But when was the last time you ever looked up on a starry night? What a difference it makes when you're grateful and you're thankful. And so we have much to thank God for, haven't we? General George Patton, who was a great American general during the last war, a young soldier from the American 3rd uh, Infantry, he was uh, sent to uh, rest and to recuperate from being at the front uh, for a period of time. And he so much was blessed by that that he decided that he'd write a letter of thanks to General George Patton. And so he wrote the letter and thanked him for his consideration and all that he had done and for the rest bite that he got. It was such a blessing to him. And Patton wrote back. And what he told him was this. He said, I've been in the army for 35 years and I have tried my best to help my soldiers in every way that I can for their comfort and for their convenience. 
And he said, you're the first person in 35 years that has ever, ever said thanks. <laughs> Not amazing. I wonder what God feels. I wonder what he thinks of everything he's done for us. You know, when you read Isaiah 53 and you focus on what Christ has done on the cross, I mean, you would need to have an awful hard heart if you were not thankful at that moment, wouldn't you? But beyond that, the little things, just the way he, he leads and guides us, the people that we meet, the appointments he makes for us, the paths that are crossed, all of that planning in our lives behind the scenes, much to be thankful for. Matthew Henry, that great prince of Bible commentators, he was once accosted by robbers and they stole his wallet, his purse. And he wrote these words in his diary. How would you feel if somebody mugged you? There's Lois. Where's Lois? She's downstairs at the Sunday school. Lois got mugged a couple of times. She got mugged in Israel. It's not a very nice feeling to get your purse stolen. Sure it's not. And so here's what he wrote after that occasion. He said, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. <laughs> Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. <laughs> and fourth, and this is the best, because it was I who was robbed not, it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. It was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. So there's always something to be thankful and to be grateful for. Old Alexander White, a great old Scottish preacher, he was known actually nearly more for his pulpit prayers than he was for his preaching, which was mighty. And he was very, very positive. And he always, in his prayers, was thankful to God. And one morning, it was a terrible, terrible morning. Weather-wise, it was absolutely awful. And he gets up into the pulpit, and the congregation sitting thinking, now what in the world can I thank God for today? And he says, I thank you, Lord, that not every day is like this day. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something to be thankful for. <laughs> Billy Bray, an old English preacher years ago, an uneducated man, but a mighty man of fire. He went along one time. He was known for shouting hallelujah and praise the Lord. He just bawled it out everywhere he went. And he, he called one morning at the vicar's manse, needed to talk to him. But when he got there, there was somebody else already there. And the vicar knew Billy Bray. And he thought, if I have this man in with this man, he's going to be embarrassing because he's going to shout hallelujah or something. So he says, Billy, uh, I'm speaking to a man here, a gentleman. I'll put you into my library. And you can just be seated there. And you can have a little browse around. He says, and we'll call for you later. He thought, there'd do no harm in there in the library. He says, he wasn't in five minutes to hear, glory to God, hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> and after he says, Billy, what in the world did you find about to shout there for? He says, well, he says, I was reading a book and it talked about the deepest trench in the Pacific Ocean. And I thought to myself, 
God says, I have buried your sins in the deepest seas. <laughs> and he says, I had to shout glory to God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> in fact, he says, if you put me in a barrel, I would shout hallelujah through the bunghole. <laughs> so there's always something to be grateful and to be thankful for, isn't there? Amen. Glory to God. Amen. And you're grateful and thankful I'm short today, aren't you? Aren't you? Did I hear an amen? <laughs> well, dare you. <laughs> I had a very busy week this week, all right? <laughs> and that's why Brother Yule is going to preach the message tonight. And, uh, but be grateful, be thankful. And we're going to come around the table. I'm not sure who's leading today. Martin's leading today. We're going to come around the table. And no better opportunity right now than to be thankful for so great salvation just for what the Lord has done for us every single day. And it all began at Calvary, didn't it?